Welcome to Jurassic World. Rex feeding show is not appropriate for small children. I'm Brad. I'm Dave. And today we're here to discuss Minute 9 of Jurassic World. But before we get to that, David, going over to Jurassic-pedia.com, we have two articles here up for two actors we get in this minute. Um, well, one for the minute before, we get the article here on Claire Deering. Um, a bit of the backstory here, a lot of this I'd imagine would have come from the uh, Evolution of Claire novel. Yeah, it did. Um, a lot of, that one was like really, really helpful in filling in a lot of backstory that we had for this character that we otherwise really wouldn't have a lot from. I think that it was from Jurassic World Alive or something like that, where we got like some of Owen's backstory, where he worked with dolphins in the Navy to plant mines or something like that. Mm. Yeah, it sounds familiar. But yeah, we didn't really have as much as that for Claire with the opening of Jurassic World. And so I think um, that book was a lot more helpful in filling in her backstory to go along with Owen's. Yeah. I never actually picked up that book. I'm not sure if I will, but because I <laughs> read the synopsis <laughs> online, and it just doesn't, I don't know, it just doesn't seem that interesting to me. But, yeah, I do know people who have picked it up and people who have enjoyed it. So, yeah, pick, go ahead pick it up. Yeah, they, I, I haven't read it either. I've just sort of heard some of the uh, the good bits, I'll say. <laughs> um, I'm also, like, I, I know a lot of it takes place sort of college years and sort of during the internship with InGen and that sort of, or Masrani. Um, apparently, I've heard there's some sort of leading stuff there to uh, Fallen Kingdom with um, Mill, Eli Mills and that, knowing each other at college yeah. or something as well, so... Adding, it, it is good, it is adding a lot of that uh, backstory to her character. Although, because it was written between Jurassic World and Fallen Kingdom, I think there's a bit of retconning in there too with her stuff of not sort of why she uh, doesn't seem so caring of animals here and then goes to goes from naturalist to capitalist in just four years. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, I, I think I've, um, I've heard all learnt all the uh, important stuff I need to from it without reading the whole thing but uh, yeah reread the spark Nose version <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> I guess you don't really get the same feel but yeah yeah and it was exactly the same thing too reading some of the uh, the Survivor Series books and that that come out for Jurassic Park 3 and that the sort of little tidbits in them that you could sort of take on and 
and learn, but a lot of it's just really fluff that they've <laughs> created to uh, fluff out of it or build the character a bit more behind the scenes. So, yeah, big article over there at jurassic-pedia.com. Also, while you're over there, there's a big article here too done by uh, Terry on the um, Dr. Henry Wu returning from uh, 1993 now in Jurassic World 2015. Yeah, this was one of our already present articles that we had on the um, site prior to the arrival of Jurassic World just because he's such... Basically, he's not really a key character in the first movie, but his character's kind of... What his character is makes him an important part of the of the movies more so more so his character is explored in the novel than it is in the first movie, which is unfortunate. But yeah, this was an article that we had long already had, and then of course um, Jurassic World expanded that out for us. Yeah, well that's it. What we see of him in Jurassic Park um, again, as you said, a lot of the um, backstory of him would have been in that novel. And then getting a little bit more into his uh, character in Jurassic Park, the game, and uh, <laughs> going up against Laura Sorkin and that. And then once the DPG come along, we learnt of... Uh, was It wasn't as late as DPG. Was The uh, the Jurassic World site had a bio... Like the Maserani site had a bio on him, didn't it? Yeah, but, I um, think it was the Maserani site that had the bio on him and had basically the backdoor timeline that you could access... Mm. and find out all this information about various things. I don't know if the Maserati site or the back door is still up. I think it actually did go down. I think it was taken down eventually. But thankfully, we, we've we saved all of that information here on Jurassicpedia. Yep, yep. And you can read through, like, again, going all the way back to his uh, upbringing, the, uh, his work he'd done at Jurassic Park, sauna, going back to Isla Nublar in 94 to uh, document what had survived and all that sort of stuff as well. Um, that book he wrote afterwards, which <laughs> you've done a clear book, please. I'll, again, I think every fan's been crying out for that uh, that Henry Wu book as well. <laughs> um, all the way up to yeah, his uh, return here and uh, Fallen Kingdom, and we'll see what uh, future holds for him in Dominion. Mm-hmm. I do know he is confirmed to return. Hopefully, at a higher. Um, <clears throat> hopefully, at a had a larger role than in the last movie. But yeah, I'm looking, I'm kind of looking forward to his novel death, honestly. Yeah, especially after Fallen Kingdom. Like, he at least, he's got some good dialogue, especially when we get up him and uh, Maserani going back and forth. And some of that stuff's fantastic. And then getting sort of whisked away by InGen in the helicopters, well, we, su- we suppose it's InGen. Um, I think we can only guess it all. I don't have to be confirmed if he's actually going from there to. Uh, Mills's mansion, Lockwood Estate, or if that's something that happens later. But, right. but just to sit sit in the bottom of the, the basement lab and tell them that we need blue so we can finish the mm-hmm. Indoraptor, it's sort of yeah, not the best. We do kind of need an in-between quill on that one, even <laughs> if it's just like a short comic book or something, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It probably won't happen, though, unfortunately. But... Uh... But yeah, head over to Jurassic-Pedia.com and uh, read all about Dr. Henry Wu. Zach, you're not going off to war here. Please. Come on. Dave, ready to get into Minute 9? Oh yeah. As we ended Minute 8 of Jurassic World, one of the investors said that they wanted to be thrilled in the new investment. Claire smiles and says, don't we all? 
As we open on minute nine, she spins a virtual display on the wall and says the Indominus Rex, our first genetically modified hybrid. One of the investors asks, how do you get two dinosaurs to, you know, enter BD Wong as Henry Wu, saying, oh, she wasn't bred, she was designed. She'll be 50 feet when fully grown, bigger than the T-Rex. At the 22nd mark, Claire walks forward and says, every time we've opened a new attraction, attendance has spiked, global news coverage, celebrity visitors, eyes of the world. At the 32nd mark, another investor asks, when will she be ready? Henry smiles and says she already is. At the 37 second mark, we once again cut to an aerial flyover Main Street, still crowded with guests, as we head straight towards the Samsung Innovation Center. At the 52 second mark, we can hear Gray yelling back to his brother Zach, come on, come on, excited to go into the building. But Zach just tells him to slow down and to relax. And as the minute ends, the two boys push open the massive wooden doors of the Innovation Center and look inside. Uh, as we continued last minute, um, Claire had asked the business people what they have in mind for uh, sponsoring an attraction, and she turns to a screen behind her and uh, virtually spins a DNA strand, which obviously touchscreen monitor, I'm guessing, or she just timed <laughs> that really well. <laughs> and, uh, uh, I, I think it's touchscreen. Yep. Turns back to the VIPs and says, Indominus Rex, our first genetically modified hybrid. It might be more genetically modified than what we've seen before. We were talking before about the Dilophosaur and that. And uh, mm-hmm. when we get to what we get with the, the Tronodons, the Morphodons, um, we probably shouldn't bring up the Stegosaurs now, but what we get with them later... Um, it just And even with what Wu's doing in his little secret lab there to research and that, I think... I think this is just spin for the VIPs to say, well, this is the first and you're uh, you're witnessing it for the first time mm-hmm. or going to sponsor it for the first time. Oh, definitely. I, I mean, this was probably... I mean, did they give a price tag for this later in the movie? I can't remember. But either way, it's a insanely expensive animal and they want to get basically as many corporate sponsors as they can at this point, you know? Yeah. Well, and, when, yeah. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, you keep on going. I'll just... I'll, Gonna bring the price up, but I'll do it when you finish. Oh, no, I was gonna say that. Um, and the other thing is that they're also plan- planning on building a n- entire um, kind of stadium around the paddock they currently have her in. So they'll need money for that. So they're gonna go for uh, Tostitos and Pepsi Sores and <laughs> basically everybody they can get their get their hands on to help ma- uh, reduce reduce the cost. Of this creation of this animal. Mm. Well, it's a one I know, and we're going to get to it when we get to Larry and what are you, <laughs> you sort of spill there. But um, the fact when they were doing this, they researched, they went to Disney, they went to major theme parks, and that. Um, I only just recently watching uh, the Imagineers or whatever it was for the, the behind mm-hmm. the scenes for Disney there, where they sort of took profits from what they had and and more so getting money from the bank to uh, expand new new attractions refurbishing and that sort of stuff where here it seems they're trying to go full sponsorship to pay for a lot of it and not the uh, park admission and all that sort of funding coming in. But I suppose even, and again, it's something we don't really get as much in the films as what we got in the novels, Toyota Toyota sponsoring Land Cruisers for the original park, all that sort of stuff, where we don't sort of get that here. 
and sure, surely Mercedes Benz are sponsoring in film as well as in real life here, with the amount of uh, Mercedes in the fleet as well. But something else we can get to later. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I do remember that Mercedes had partnered with um, Universal for this one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Which I think that I'm sort of listening to the um, Jurassic Vic at the moment. He does a lot of the stuff on the motor pool and just. Uh, I think there was an agreement with Mercedes that, yeah, you can have the cars, but nothing's allowed to be destroyed or something. Mm-hmm. Which yeah. is a shame. Well, we had so much fun destroying Mercedes last time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when we started to see production photos of the, the G-Wagon and the 6 6 that they made, like mm-hmm. that, that thing could just go head-to-head with a T-Rex. And I was way, wanting to see something like that so much in the film. But... Mm-hmm. Though I do have to give Mercedes credit. Every time I see a silver uh, G-Wagon or one of their silver vans on the road, I do automatically think of Jurassic World. Yep, yep. <laughs> so, so it's kind of weird how, I mean, I don't even do that with Jeep, but I see a silver I see a silver Mercedes and I'm like, Jurassic World right there. <laughs> mm-hmm. We'll even get to it yeah, later on when we see ACU deploy, even with some of the, uh, the very Lost World feeling vans. The big, yeah. big transit vans and that as well, with the bars on the windows and that. But uh, yeah, one of the uh, investors sits here and sort of puts his hands together and asks, "How do you get two dinosaurs to dot dot dot?" And sort of, um, <laughs> which I suppose, I suppose, would be a question. But it... genetically modified hybrid doesn't really suggest that uh, they've been bred. No. Well, as and then of course enter Henry Wu here, mm-hmm. um, BD Wong back. Sort of answering the question, no, she, Indominus wasn't bred. She was designed, and she'll be 50 feet long when fully grown, bigger than the T-Rex. Which I think is kind of funny, because it kind of makes it seem like this guy's line was just an excuse to introduce Wu into the scene, you know? It's like, so how did you get it, uh, you know? And he's like, <clears throat> and enter Wu, you know? Mm. But it's sort of... Uh, it almost goes back to that little bit of, um, not Stark, but sort of like in the original film where he's um, he's going at Malcolm as well. Um, and now I've completely blanked on the line. <laughs> yeah. Bigger than the T-Rex, which I think would be a big, uh, a big uh, sort of keyword here to get the investors on even more. And sort of Claire jumps in to sweeten the deal. <laughs> Every time we've oh. unveiled a new asset, attendance has spiked. Global news coverage, celebrity visits, eyes of the world. Mm-hmm. Well, it's funny that he uses T-Rex as a measurement here because, like, every time there's a news article about a new dinosaur anywhere, it's like T-Rex is used either as a measuring stick <laughs> or as a point of reference for time. And it's it's like, have you ever seen the... Um, the meme of the guy looking up at the putter, uh, or at the butterfly and saying, "Is is this a pigeon?" Well, <laughs> imagine looking up at a T Rex and saying, "Is this a unit of, me- of measurement?" <laughs> <laughs> so yes, T Rex is apparently a unit of measurement at Jurassic World. Mm. Yeah. Well, I wonder too how much knowledge park operation that the the VIPs would have if if they know anything about the marketing that's been happening or if, um, again, the majority of the public know the T-Rex because of the San Diego incident. 
but still it's but T-Rex is also already one of the most famous uh dino- if not the most famous dinosaur in the world so yeah you basically say T-Rex and everybody knows what you're talking about yeah you know yeah the uh, the investor that wanted to know, wanted to be thrilled asks when will she be ready and Henry smiles and looks at Claire and it seemed like he's more pleased to uh, fill him in than what Claire would be but uh, tells him that she already is and that's when we get that Jurassic Park uh, Jurassic World score pickup mm-hmm. which um already ready I don't think we learn how uh, how far along she is do we get an age uh, of the Indominus? Yeah. Um, couple years, I think. I don't think it took them that long. I think that it's said in the Mizrani thing where they say they give a point of time for how long they had made her. Yeah. And I think it was only a couple of years that it took her to full to grow to full size. Well, Wu's line I saying say three or four or something. What's yeah. that? Wu's line here saying she'll be fifty feet long when fully grown. Tells mm-hmm. me that she's not fully grown yet. No, um, she's not. And later we find out that they already had to push the, or they already had to push back the uh, size because they had to build the contain the walls on the containment bigger because she's already bigger than she's supposed to be at this point of time. Yeah, yeah. I have to um, have a look towards the end of the film when they're fighting because I'm pretty sure it'd be a, a shot there with them looking hit eye to eye just to see the size, but. Um, going off the the price you mentioned before, um, when she escapes later, Maserani does say it's a $28 million animal there, or investment, so whether that's just ah. how much is into it already, or how much that's um, coming from the investors, we don't really know. But yeah, if they if they kill the animal, it's $28 million gone, which you'll get that back. <laughs> Follow Owen's advice. Sort of interesting too, where the whole time this conversation's been happening here, there's been sort of a very interesting music theme playing in the background, very sort of ominous and Jaws-like, just those slow, mm-hmm. um, those slow building beats in the background. But then once again, we cut to Main Street, full of guests. Um, as we sort of fly in over here, do an aerial, well, I don't mean aerial shot. I'm guessing they had um, cameras hanging from cables to do these shots. Because we get a fair few of them in the film. I think I do think it's interesting though how we get this uh, Claire saying nobody's interested in a dinosaur before or I mean anymore, and she's like, well, twenty years ago it was right up there with the extinction. Now it's like a kids and now kids don't even care anymore. And I kind of find that kind of um, I'm not sure if it's deliberate, but it's kind of poking at the um, CGI usage in Jurassic World, because the next shot, shot we get after she after this whole that scene where she says that is these giant CGI mountains towering over any, everything, and it's like meh, you know. <laughs> well, Twenty years ago, CGI was right up there with magic. Now your kid looks at it, it's like meh. Well, I'll I'll jump in here just to defend. The backing plates are real. The mountains are real, but the the building structures, all they've been put in front of it, all the, the structures are CG. Mm-hmm. Well, um, again, I mean, they filmed this whole thing on on a uh, parking lot in 
Louisiana. So the are yes, they are real, but they're digitally placed into the into the movie, so they can be basically be any size the animator wants them to be. Yeah, yep, yep. Yep. Well that's it. We cut to Main Street here and it's full of guests and I'm guessing um they must I think they had a wire system hooked up that with a camera on it that could fly sort of um flying fox or zip line style above Main Street. Um I seem to remember seeing shots of that, mm-hmm. something like that, because you're not flying a, a helicopter. It's 2015, no. so I don't think we're quite there with drone filming for movies yet. We're not far off it, but um, the other unfortunate thing here too, with this flyby, we get a lot of these just flying over Main Street where it's going to take up the rest of this minute pretty much where we could have some more stuff in and just not do flybys <laughs> of Main Street. But especially we've already had one when the boys got to the hotel room, we flew out over the whole area mm-hmm. and now we're doing it again just to uh just to catch up with where Zach and Grey and Zara are. But um, a lot of people in the uh, the street it mm. sort of looks like Jimmy Buffett's one of the blokes dancing up on the top of one of the restaurants as well in that Could uh, be. <laughs> in, that, in that shirt uh, we passed the Sponoscore skeleton which we'll talk about later um, mm-hmm. and sort of uh, you get a lot more of the uh, the style of Main Street here the large amber statues along the side sort of um, sculptures or just uh, decoration of the amber and a lot of the real tropical feel of the structures as well um, mm-hmm. it definitely though does at the same time feel kind of like Main Street USA at the Disneyland Park in California, where you basically just have this big, giant shopping row. Things like ice ice cream shops and Disney store and stuff like that in the, in the, Disney, in the Disney area, you know? Mm. And it almost kind of also evokes the idea of a board, of a um, seaside boardwalk that are very popular in, say, Coney Island or San Francisco or some of the, um, uh, what is that, Santa Monica Pier, I think, in California? Yeah, Santa Monica, yep. yep. Well, we do know, we don't see a lot of it, but we do know from uh, aerials and that that the main street goes down to the lagoon and goes either way along that mm-hmm. boardwalk. So um, you got the, the Turn It On Theatre and that there as well. Um, that we sort of see more in Lost World... Uh, in Fallen Kingdom as well, all destroyed. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, as you're saying, like looking like a Disney main shopping strip, and that there's one building here that's got one of those big double-sided clocks hanging off the side of the awning. Sort of 2015, we've still got an analog clock hanging up on the side <laughs> of the building because no one's wearing watches. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, at the same time, I mean, it's supposed to kind of go for that feel, you know? It's basically meant to go for this city block feel of shopping center. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And you mentioned before coming into the, the uh, shot of the innovation center here with those, that big mountain range behind it. I, I think it looks pretty cool, but uh, just sort of, just sort of nature towering over this little pitiful um, thing that man has set up. <laughs> but uh, as the camera approaches the innovation center, we can sort of hear gray and Zach dialogue coming as they're climbing up the stairs of the building um, very similar architecture here with the front of the Innovation Centre of what we got with the original Visitor Centre, just the two sort of wings that go left and right of the main staircase. Um, mm-hmm. Fountains here and not so much water features like we had originally, but the stairs going up to the front doors, 
But yeah, it is. Like you said, it is very reminiscent of the um, or the original visitor center in the facade, not so much the design. But yeah, and I think it's interesting how the um, the innovation center itself it almost has a volcanic look to it. Mm. I think I remember seeing some of the concept art or posters or something, and it showed that the skylight at the very tip had a light. I can't remember if that's in the original, um, or if it's in the final movie or not, when we get that night scene, but it was supposed to have this Vegas style. I'm not sure if you've ever seen that pyramid in Vegas, with the gigantic light bulbs on the top that basically shine a giant light beam into the sky. But it's supposed to be like that. The name of it's on the tip of my tongue, too. It's, uh, I think this, not the Sphinx. Uh, I was going to say Montecito, but that's the TV one. No. no. <laughs> um, oh. Hell, while you're looking at that, um, yeah, well, it was the, um, that original teaser poster we got had the, uh, mm-hmm. the Raptor on the Explorer had the, the sort of triangular or pyramidal even innovation center with the beam gun up. And I'm, I remember seeing a nighttime, yeah, concept art with the white, the, the white or blue light going up into the air as well. Mm-hmm. Luxor. That was it. That's, the Luxor yeah, Hotel. That, that's it. Yep. Yep. Whether that was some sort of uh, night display, you can only imagine that there'd be something like that, especially the nightlife, um, the bars and the restaurants and that there, there'd be some sort of laser light show or something. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think they'd have fireworks. <laughs> I don't know how... <laughs> The, uh, the animals would like uh, fireworks going off for the 4th of July or New Year's parties or anything like that. Um, although that could be an interesting little short story. The first year they decided to uh, do that and the animals went nuts. <laughs> uh, Gray is the first one to the doors. Uh, Zach tells him to just chill while he's on his uh, phone. We cut to the inside of the doors. They open by the boys, um, side by side. These are big wooden doors. You'd think they'd be automated. Well, they might be might be gas struts on them to uh, allow guests to enter. I imagine that they're made to look like wood and brass yeah, and light, I... but they actually aren't. You know, yeah, yep. like they're probably made out of some kind of light lightweight material, and they're swung on like a zero g hinge with, and they're just painted to look that look uh, look the way they do. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, they are they're sort of similar design to the visitor center again here, just your dual yeah. opening barnyard doors type stuff. Mm-hmm. But as you said, all the uh, sort of imprints or sculpting work on it with the Trenosaur skeletons and that looks really nice. Um, and there's two uh, two park staff here beside the doors too. Maybe they're there for the elderly or um, or younger kids or something to help them help them inside or just there to help out wherever needed. But uh, mm-hmm. As the uh, minute ends, we see a pair of glass doors inside slide open, revealing uh, the Hammond Creation Lab sign on the far end of the building and the Innovation Centre interior. Uh, these glass sliding doors, interesting, sort of got the, uh, not DNA, um, like the sequences, but more so what you'd have, um, like your DNA printout. Mm-hmm. Um, not, not the CDC, all that sort of yeah. lettering, but the, um, I've got no idea what that's called. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was funny I, I'm looking at this scene and seeing just all this technology in this thing here you can see the Hammond Creation Lab and in front of it's a holographic apatosaurus and all that stuff and I'm thinking, I think back to the original um, 
the original Jurassic Park, and Lex is absolutely blown away by a touchscreen and a CD-ROM. <laughs> well, yeah, the, we're going to definitely get to that next minute with some of the uh, interactive displays in here, and whether or not the film's going to age as well um, with the holograms and that in 10, 15 years' time, if we have that tech or... Yeah, just going back to Jurassic Park with interactive CD-ROM with the Linux system, I know this, and um, mm-hmm. even even sort of Nedry um, talking up, you can run the whole park with minimum staff for three days. Um, how much some of the uh, technology there hasn't really... We're still trying to get electric cars figured out. <laughs> they had the Explorers. <laughs> and, well, those ran out of track, so yeah. it's not like they had, they had anywhere to go. They're basically a, glor- a glorified... Um, a glorified carnival ride. I've I've been on that ride where you sit in the car and just hit the gas pedal and it steers itself on the track in front of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all you can do and is go fast and slow that. down. They they just run on the track in the middle of the road. Like I said, they're a glorified carnival ride. Yeah. Yep. 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 Um, but yeah, quickly looking at the uh, novel comparisons here. Um, in the uh, novel, it's the woman at arcs. Uh, will the Indominus be ready, or when will it be ready? And uh, it's clear that senses uh, the investors are hooked. Replies, she already is. So all that dialogue's from Claire, not Wu, in the novel. And uh, that's where we jump directly to Claire in the control room. Um, in the novel, we don't get uh, the boys entering the innovation center here. I think that's a little mm. bit later. So we'll see how that goes in the next couple of minutes. Uh, David bit to look at in this minute uh we're at the innovation center at this point i'm i'm, I'm really having fun with the film um even the next couple of minutes i've already done run sheets for it's at this point in the film seeing everything in operation seeing everyone's excitement about what's going on i'm mm-hmm. uh, i'm enjoying it i, I know there's a I point too yes i know there's and... a point coming where oh really and all that sort of stuff's gonna start coming into it but uh i'm keeping an open mind i'll be honest i mean and this is kind of funny because I just saw the other day a a Onion article or one of those um, fake one of those fake uh, joke newspaper articles where they said uh, Crichton next or a new Crichton novel uh, gets like roaring uh, praise and it's about a theme park where nothing goes wrong. <laughs> it's opening day at a theme park and nothing goes wrong, and it's like I'll be honest, I could have watched. I could have watched a whole movie where they're just walking around the park. <laughs> well, and that's and I, yeah, I see a lot of fans commenting on that. Um, the whole the whole TV series that maybe still coming. We don't know what's happening there, but just people wanting to see more of the park. Even even people that aren't real fans, movie like movie podcasts I listen to on that saying they could have a whole film of just the park in operation. Exactly. Um, yeah. Have a have a couple of uh, park staff you follow, and just have their their day, what a day in the life of the bloke that runs the gyrosphere station, or or something like that, and you could do that in a in a ten ten episode miniseries or something for Netflix, or yeah. um, it doesn't have to be Terra Nova where you're trying to start a new world, have having the CG and animatronics and that sort of stuff is going to be a little bit tough, but I don't really mind if the quality is not really there if we're going to get the story and the uh, just seeing more of the island and that, but. We've got uh, Camp Cretaceous coming. We've got mm-hmm. some stuff that's going to show more of the uh, the operations. So we'll see what happens there, and yeah, hopefully it's uh, hopefully it's pretty good stuff. And I mean, even in retrospect, though, 
you could still have the movie happen as it is, just tack on another hour of them going around on the different rides and still watch that. Add in another day and we'll just do the Indominus attack tomorrow, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just let them have that one day of fun. Yep. Yep. Yeah, well, that's. When we're going to get there, like, the stuff we get with the T Rex is just. I haven't even looked at the minute, but I doubt we even get a full minute there. Just most of it's Zach on the phone to his mother. Mm-hmm. Which is a shame because all that. We had the uh, the second unit stuff come out in production before the film, of them filming in that forest, the goat, and just the, the misty, misty jungle and that, and how um how excited we were to see it and it's not it's not in the film all right um dave that's been minute nine thanks for joining me and we'll be back next week back again for minute ten all right talk next week we'll do